Welcome, weary travelers, to TV on the Hillside. My name is Mo Hill, and with me, as always, the best bounty hunter in Southeast Michigan, it's Nate Birdside. Okay, first of all, he's not the best bounty hunter in Southeast Michigan. The exact quote was, and I have it written down here, possibly one of the best bounty hunters. I'm saying, so you're the best. He's thinking about you when he's saying possibly. Oh, uh, that's a very big compliment from Jason. <laughs> so today we're going to discuss this week's Survivors, the circle of life. But first, Nate, do whatever it is you do. Sure. Uh, if you're wondering about the upcoming schedule that we keep mentioning, you're not the only one. Uh, we've also been wondering what the hell it is we're doing. <laughs> and we find out you'll be the first to know if you check our website at tvonthehillside.wordpress.com. If you can't remember the URL, you can get there from our Facebook or Twitter pages. Uh, we aren't as confident in our abilities as Peter and Liz are in theirs, so please help our self-esteem by subscribing to this podcast, rating it five stars, and leaving a comment. We'd like to think that we're doing this podcast like bosses, but without your feedback, how could we ever really know? That is true, and I will trade their confidence for better success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actual ability over that level of confidence any day. Oh my god, Obama's such a jerk. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that Liz is the one they got rid of. I would really, wouldn't have been surprised if after the, re, before the revote, they just turned and said, uh, guys, let's just vote out Peter. <laughs> like, well, appara- apparently, I, I was, we'll, we'll get to this later, but uh, there are some interesting things um, about that vote with the three-way tie. So we'll, we'll talk about that. All right, let's do this um, uh, tribe by tribe then, as we've been doing it so far this season, because it's just easier that way. Well, let's do Braun first, because they had tribal last week and then came back. They came back, and Scott basically turns and says, uh, you know, I only voted for you because I promised I'd never vote for her, which is, uh, that's weak. No, I think I think that how it works is you're just supposed to say things to not make them more angry at you, and that's something that he said. The thing is, though, that Alicia responds to it as if it's not a nicety that he's saying, as if he's, like, making some sort of, like, real gesture gesture towards her, which I don't think anyone else would perceive it that way. This goes back to Alicia really not having any idea what's going on in this game. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't need to say that, so she should just say thank you and move on. (laughs) Yeah, she also comes back from Tribal Council and appears to, like, like she's talking to Sydney as if, like, they're on the same side. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we might as well just get to the next day if we're talking about the Braun tribe, because the whole conversation she has with Sydney the night before where she seems to think Sydney is on her side, that leads to her finding the clue for the idol and calling over Sydney. Yeah, what the heck are you doing? Why? (laughs) First of all, you have no reason to call her over at all. It's not like she saw you find the clue. The the thing you should have done is just pocketed the clue and then come back later. (laughs) By the way, even if you are 100% sure she is aligned with you, you don't need to call her over. Yeah, I mean, I understand that these people didn't see last season. But as we learned last season, it's better to keep your hidden immunity idol secret from even your own allies. You should keep it from everyone as much as you can. And if one person finds out, that's when you tr- that's when you make it a little more public. 
And also, we've seen this whole, like, race to the idol thing before happen. I remember whatever season that was where they were all clawing at the, the mud in the riverbed. Oh, I don't remember that. What season was that? I don't remember, but they... Whatever. Because they, someone found a clue and they related to somebody and then, you know, they basically, like, bullied it out of somebody and then everyone knew what the clue was. But the clue was ambiguous enough that the whole tribe is now looking for the idol. We know that these things with the race to the idol happen. By the way, I'd like to point out, Sydney could not have done better here. She... Finds the box. Yeah. Covers it back up. Yeah. Then goes back to camp. But luckily, Jason sees them. And Alicia sees Jason see them. So when they go back to camp, she tells Alicia to, like, act normal and, like, walk away. And then when she walks away, she tells Jason and Scott where the clue is. Because Sydney doesn't need the idol, but it's in her best interest for Alicia not to have it. Because if Alicia has it, then they're going to vote her out. Yeah. So so she wants Scott and slash Jason to find it before Alicia does. So then when they go to look for it, Alicia goes, hey, are they going to get the idol? Did you tell them? And Sydney's like, no, I didn't tell them. They saw us in the jungle. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just a great lie because they did see her. They just didn't know the specifics until Sydney, like, enlightened them as to the actual clue and information about where the box was, which Alicia didn't even know. I know. That was really great. It was really, really great. I also do love how they put together this tool that can be used that everyone loses and nobody <laughs> and everyone got the key without the tool. Right, right. Just to clarify, just to clarify, we're going to go through the process of obtaining this hidden immunity idol. So you have to find a clue to the idol, which is hidden in the knot of a tree. Then it says that you have to dig at the base of that tree. You dig at the base of the tree you find a buried tool and a buried box. Then you are supposed to use the tool to attach to some sticks to find at the top of a nearby tree, which you don't actually know where that is either. You have to find the nearby tree, then poke the thing out so that you can get the scroll, which has a map to where the thing is, and a key to the box, and then you follow the map to the box, and you use the key to open the box, and then you get the idol. I think they may have had too many steps. So here's the thing. This is one of those idol situations where they decided, you know what? People are finding this too fast. Just like with last season, even though last season was taped, after this season, whatever. They decided that people are finding these things too easily, too fast. Why don't we try to make the retrieval of the idol, the difficult part, as opposed to seeing where it is. So they even made it a little bit easier because they wrapped that first clue in the color of the tribe. And the first one that Ty found was bright yellow. And this one that Alicia found was bright red. Like, those colors don't exist in nature. So (laughs) at least not attached to that part of a tree. And so you can really see it probably from from a little bit farther away. So if you're looking for an idol, even if you're not looking for an idol, you just happen to be walking past it, you could probably spot them and be like, that's weird. Grab it and then say, uh, this is on the, the foot, the idol's buried beneath this tree. Then you look down and then you get like the challenge for it. The thing is that to me, it seemed like what would have been a better system would have just been to cancel out the whole clue and the tool part. What if they just had buried the box, 
somewhere, you're not going to find the buried box with no clue. Yeah. So just have the box buried and have a padlock on it. And then put the key in that little tube and put it, you know, in the, in a tree somewhere. And then just ha- someone will have, someone might see it in a tree. And if they see it in a tree, then they'll have to figure out how to get the thing out of that tube. Yeah. So you're saying eliminate the first step. Oh, well, eliminate the first two steps. No note and no tool. Okay. No, no, no tool. Because obviously they didn't really need the tool. Yeah, obviously. So screw that. That actually is a pretty good idea. I mean, they probably will do that. They'll just say, but here's the thing. By the time the next season rolls around, they'll already know that this is already a possibility. So they can just get rid of that first step or first two steps, and people will just look around in trees for for the key thing. Right, but I think the fact that the the tube is made of a similar type of wood-looking color as the tree makes it hard to spot unless you're looking for it. Yeah. So maybe they don't have to put it as high up in the tree. Yeah. It was pretty helpful to have Scott Pollard on your team there. That was hilarious when when, uh, Jason says, man, it's good to have an NBA player and a center. Like, it's like if he was a guard, like, fine, whatever. But he was a center. This is great. Oh, a forward. I'm sorry. Who's the short one in, on the team? The guard or the forward? The guards are the short ones. I knew it. I got it right the first time. Oh, good lord. No, I know, but, like, are you, like, come on. I got it right the first the first time. For those who don't know the backstory, Mo refuses to know anything about basketball because he has an inferiority complex because he was tall. And as Jews, we don't have tall people. So he was expected to be good at basketball by being tall and was never any good. So he shunned basketball as a sport and pretends it doesn't exist. That's not necessarily true. I just don't like it so much. Yes, but you're not liking it. It's rooted in the fact that it was the one sport people have expected you to be good at. That's that's your theory. That's your theory. I don't subscribe to your theory. Well, because you're not athletic. There are other sports that people expected you to be good at. But because of your height, they expected you to be good at basketball. Oh, quite, <laughs> quite you. All right. Okay, so let's let's uh, let's move on from uh, the Braun tribe, uh, except for to repeat the line that Jason is possibly one of the best bounty hunters in Southeast Michigan. It's one thing if you were like, "I'm the best bounty hunter in the world," and you'd be like, "Okay, cool," or "I'm even the best bounty hunter in the United States." All right, fine. Or I'm one of the I'm the best bounty hunter in Michigan. Okay, I'm the best bounty hunter in Southeast Michigan. All right, all right, I'm one of the best bounty hunters in Southeast <laughs> Michigan. Okay, I'm possibly one of the best <laughs> bounty hunters in Southeast Michigan. I think you've taken it so many levels down that it's no longer like a superlative. It's- by the way, by the way, at what stage? Since we don't know anything about bounty hunters, at what stage would you cease to believe him if he decided to go? with a little bit more confidence to his statement. Like, if he said he's the best bounty hunter in America, I'd be like, I don't know if I believe you. Like, I don't know if I believe you. I mean, I, I don't know too much about bounty hunters, but there's a very decent chance that the best bounty hunter in America is too busy bounty hunting and not doesn't have enough time to go on Survivor. So, so I'm going to say I don't believe you. But he says if he's possibly one of the best bounty hunters in America, maybe. I w- he could be top ten for all I know. Yeah, I don't know. There aren't any bounty hunters. There's no, like, AP top 25 bounty hunters. So, well, maybe there is. But there's, but here's the thing. What if he just said, I'm the best bounty hunter in Michigan? I would probably believe him. I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I don't know how prevalent, I don't know how prevalent the profession of bounty hunting is. 
I mean, granted, Detroit is in southeast Michigan, and maybe there are a lot of bounties in Detroit? See, the thing is, I don't have any concept of how many bounty hunters there are. Well, do you even know, like, what bounty hunters, who bounty hunters go after? It's not, like, after people that, like, the mob put a hit on. No. It's it's about people who jump bail. bail. Yeah. Yeah, they skip bail. Like Fiona, like Fiona on Burn Notice. Sure. <laughs> she's always going after people because she's a bounty hunter in her spare time. Yes, exactly. The weirdest part about the bounty hunter comment, looking back, is that bounty hunter thing is people frequently run away from him. So he has to be in good shape to chase them down. But in, in this scenario, he's the one who's being chased. So that's actually not applicable to being a bounty hunter. No one's chasing the bounty hunter. (laughs) That's not how it works. He should know that. He's possibly one of the best bounty hunters in Southeast Michigan. (laughs) That is bounty hunter's code. We don't chase each other. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That was was pretty confusing. Does he watch, like, The Empire Strikes Back and say, Boba Fett, I could kick his ass. (laughs) He doesn't – he's not even the best bounty hunter in – Possibly in the southeast Michigan area. So yeah, let's let's uh, let's get past Braun. Um, let's let's get to let's get to brains. There isn't they don't show that much of brains pre challenge because they're going to show them a lot after the challenge when they lose. So, but they do show that there is a clear two 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 division, and they're already starting to talk about who to vote off, which gave me a huge a huge red flag. And I said, oh, they're definitely losing today's immunity challenge. Well, the other thing is that. It, we all know because we've watched too much Survivor. You can't have talking head segments pre-challenge where someone goes, right now we're playing like bosses. You know what my note says? My note says, quote unquote, playing like bosses. And then afterwards it has one word, which is nope. <laughs> you just, that's not something you say in an episode where you end up victorious. <laughs> it just isn't. If we ever go on Survivor, I will do every talking head segment with I'm playing like a boss. The thing is that people have to realize is that they can edit this into anything. So basically, everyone in the game probably says every single day, I think I'm in good shape right now. But the only time it gets played is when you're going to screw up. Yeah. (laughs) It always reminds me, literally, every all these things always remind you of that episode of The Office where Daryl is, like, too busy to, like, do anything in The Office. So he, like, skips out early. And he says, okay, I'm gonna, he says to the camera crew, I'm gonna skip out early. So why don't we record these now? Wow! I can't believe the predicament that he or she has gotten him or herself into. That's gonna be trouble for him or her. And, like, that's what he says. And then they play it later in the episode after, like, Andy screws up. Right. And they just, like, put it in there. And I said, like, if I ever do these talking head segments, it's like, you know, should we run through a couple of these or Yeah. <laughs> Depending on what happens later today. Just just record things like, I think we did really well in the challenge and we tried our best, but it turns out it was harder than we thought it was and we lost. Is that good? <laughs> just like pre challenge. Truth is, like those talking head segments are easily manipulated, so we've watched enough Survivor that we know when you hear quotes like that, that they're not gonna do well. So Oh, there was one really good talking head segment from Brain. I don't remember if it was pre or post challenge. Debbie? She just think crazy. She's like, Peter, you're insane. Blah blah ha 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 and then her face went totally serious. She's like, We gotta vote him out. <laughs> Like, she went from crazy to serious in, like, a half a second. 
Yeah, there's there's a thing in the extended confessional, which somebody linked on, on YouTube for Liz after she got voted out, where she basically just says, like, Debbie's an amazing liar. <laughs> and like it's like a compliment. She's like really, really good quality lying. <laughs> so yeah, let's get to a uh, beauty. I have a lot of information on what happened on the beauty tribe because Anna has basically turned into this season's Kelly Wentworth. So she's so forthcoming with information that it's really easy to find out stuff they didn't show during the episode. So here's some notes I have. So when they show Ty being really upset about the chicken dying. Yeah. Apparently, he wasn't upset so much at the chicken dying. He was upset because originally they decided to kill the chicken, and Caleb tried to break the chicken's neck, and he screwed it up. So he, like, half broke the chicken's neck. So it was in pain? Yeah, so the chicken was, like, making all sorts of noises. Oh, that sucks. And flailing around, and that's why they were holding it down to chop its head off. Yeah, because they all looked pretty depressed, and that would be depressing. I mean, yeah, that, that would kind of that would kind of suck. Like if you had to, you're like, all right, we have to kill this chicken. We've already resigned ourselves to that, but we don't want it to feel pain. Like we just want to make it quick. And on, on an interesting note, by the way, that that um, is that Anna, much like uh, she's picking up the torch, although I guess it happened in the past compared to this, so it's kind of confusing. Um, she's picking up the torch of Kimmy Kappenberg, and she is a vegetarian on the show, so. When they went to kill the chicken, she decided that was a good time for her to pretend that she was distraught about the chicken being killed. So she went into the jungle to take a walk and was actually looking for the idol. But they didn't show that? No, they didn't show that. Because it's not worth showing her looking for the idol when we already know that Ty has it. All right. Yeah. So I thought Ty was a vegetarian, too. No, uh, he's not a vegetarian. He just Uh-oh. wants uh, things to be, you know, humane killing and whatnot, which apparently is not what occurred. Uh, and obviously they weren't going to show that on camera, so. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I mean, um, also, <laughs> weird thing about Ty when he found the idol, <laughs> like when he went to go kiss the tree. Yeah, he kissed the tree for slightly too long. And then he turned his head. <laughs> that went from a kiss to a to a full-on makeout <laughs> with that tree. I mean, he is a botanist, so... <laughs> <laughs> he likes plants. So the weird part is is that the chicken death leads to the realization that Nick, the trainer, is a total weirdo. Yeah, he just has no emotional intelligence or capability. His smile is creepy and obviously fake. He even says in a talking head segment that he has trouble with, like, like people always say that he doesn't show emotion correctly, whatever he said during that talking head. Yeah. And I was like... Okay, that's strange. Then Anna made a comment uh, after last night's episode where she said that originally the the team that they had gotten together that they thought was going to be an alliance was Anna and Julia were, like, instantly partnered up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hadn't really talked to Michelle yet that much, and they wanted to work with Ty, and they wanted to work with Nick. But then apparently once they started talking to Michelle, this is the kind of thing that happens, by the way, when you don't go to tribal council. So they they started to talk to Michelle after the first couple days. And there was one night where the girls were talking to each other, apparently. And they basically, it's like one of these uh, things from a sitcom where they all found out that Nick had basically hit on them in with completely the same pickup lines, basically. Mm. and so they were all like wait he said that to me also and the the three of them were like wow that guy is 
completely weird. And they're like, and so then they totally turned on Nick, apparently. (laughs) And then they were like, oh man, we gotta, so then they, they went to go talk to Ty at one point, and then slightly later in the game, apparently, they found out that Nick basically did the same things and hit on Ty. What? (laughs) Yeah, apparently he was like really flirty with Ty also, with like the same type of conversations. And they were all like, well, that guy is weird. <laughs> so you're saying you're saying if they lose, Nick is going to go. <laughs> I, I think they all don't like Nick. First of all, I think that that was pretty obvious even before this episode because the three girls seem solid and everyone likes Ty and Caleb. So Nick's kind of on the outs there. But the Beauty Tribe really doesn't show any signs of actually losing a challenge anytime soon. Yeah, they're pretty good. Have they come? They've come in second place in one challenge, right? Yeah, they came in first twice and second once. Yeah, so. They're they're doing pretty well for themselves because here's the thing they also have the there hasn't been too much um too many challenges which are like incredibly brain centric I think there was like one puzzle this is the thing that Fishback was talking about last night after the episode also is that the lack of puzzle components in especially if you're gonna have these long challenges they should have some sort of puzzle component yeah and they really haven't except for that one puzzle. So, you know, Beauty and the Brawn tribes are not really at that big of a disadvantage. That being said, Brawn lost two of these, but uh, Beauty is totally fine. Um, they have Anna. They, also, they, the great move by Beauty here because Julia had sat out the last one because Anna and Julia seem to be the two smartest people on their tribe. So they sat out Julia in the last challenge because they there was no puzzle in it. So they thought like, oh, next week if there's a puzzle, then she'll be able to do it. And so this week, again, there was no puzzle. So they sat out Anna because they're like, well, then next week if there's a puzzle, Anna will be able to do it because you can't sit out the same person two weeks in a row. Yeah. So let's yeah, let's just get to the challenge here. Basically, they have to carry these really heavy bags of rice. Oh, by the way, another thing they cut out of the episode, which I found out about on Twitter, um, Neil of the Brain Tribe. You know when they have to cut open the bags and get the balls out and stuff? Yeah. So he just filled his pockets with rice? I was thinking about that. And just stole rice? I was thinking about that. I was saying, why don't they just steal rice? The problem is that the rice is kind of wet, so you can't – it would grow mold, so they ate it basically immediately as of getting back because you wouldn't be able to keep it because once it's gotten wet, it will grow mold. But fine, though. But here's the thing. Like, so what? You know, take that extra thing. Also, it's pretty clear they weren't allowed to do that, <laughs> so he just kind of stole it, and then they, they weren't going to show it because it wasn't allowed. Oh, oh, here's also a pretty obvious rule that they instituted but they in this challenge, but they didn't talk about, which is nobody can do the puzzle, the thing, twice, right? Like, if you succeed in it, you ha- you can't. They did that because of what the Brain Tribe had done in the first challenge, where Aubrey did everything. Oh, uh, okay. So they also didn't mention that you can't sit out the same person twice in a row, but that was that rule was in effect as well. All right. So yeah, they have to carry these bags. They have to someone swim to a canoe. Someone's got to get in the canoe. Then they got to swim with the bags. They got to go over a, over a balance beam. So basically, you know, beauty uh, in first place the whole time. They have to get the main part is they have to get them through this this uh, this very small hole in like a makeshift wall. Yeah. Um, beauty, uh, brain, and then brawn in order 
for bags for bag one, then Beauty jumps so far ahead that they have all three bags out before either other team has two bags out. Uh, Ron jumps over Brain in the middle there. Um, and Ron- yeah, by the way, it shows how far behind Brain was and how they almost won because Braun failed twice right. at the last part where I think everyone else just did it on the first try. They just did it slower. Right, and Braun is the only team that subbed out someone because Sydney failed the first time and they took her out. First two times. No, but I mean they, they, I mean they took her out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only one they took out. So um, Beauty gets there first. Julia uh, gets the first one. Um, Ty gets the second one. So they have basically two balls before anyone has one. Um, cause Sydney fails for Braun. Then Liz gets one for Brain and Braun is in last place. Um, Beauty gets, Caleb gets the last one, so they win. Uh, Braun then storms back. They get, Jason gets one. They tie it up. Peter gets the second one. Scott gets the second one right after that. Um, and then Sydney beats Debbie to the punch by like two seconds at the end. Really was as close as they showed on TV. Yeah. It, I don't even think it was two seconds. I think it was less than that. I mean, I basically also said I, – I sent you a text right after I saw that, which was whoever the composer is for that, I was on the edge of my seat. Bravo. Like that was great. There's a great soundtrack in the background. Made it very tense. Yeah, also, great week for Sydney overall. I mean with, with finding a way to get Alicia to not have the idol, then plus her redemption story during that challenge where she failed and then came back and, and did it. So Yeah. Oh, man. And the celebration on the Braun Tribe for having finally won something. Right. Even though they won, they, so it was, it was, you had comfort or your, your items from home. And so the Beauty Tribe, uh, takes the comfort, obviously, because as some people pointed out on Twitter afterwards, it's not the best time to tempt people with their items from home on like day nine. Yeah. You, you take comfort every time. I mean, maybe if this is like day 30, yeah, or something like that. And you haven't seen any of your family in a month, and you have some stuff back at your camp, but at this point, they don't have anything back at their camp. I also like how Jason had that little teddy bear, which is obviously one of his daughters or something. Yeah, his. Uh, I think that's his autistic daughter's uh, teddy bear. Yeah, so <laughs> very cute. And But by the way, totally using it as his pillow. <laughs> yeah, solid pillow. Yeah, solid pillow. <laughs> Um, I will not deny that I have slept on my daughter's stuffed elephant toy. It is incredibly comfortable. Um, I didn't do it on purpose. It just was there. But, and that's me at home. Imagine nine days in the wilderness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, after, after the challenge, they, they come back and, uh, strangely enough, I actually thought, um, the the brain tribe does kind of deal with it pretty intelligently in terms of they don't blame Debbie for losing to Sydney. Oh yeah, because I mean, first of all, Sydney had already tr- attempted the maze twice before she tried at the same time as Debbie, so you would have to assume she she had a better grasp on it than Debbie. So yeah. they don't blame Debbie for the loss, which I actually commend them for. I I didn't I thought that they would because they don't like Debbie in the first place. Some of them. Well, yeah. You know, I thought they'd blame it on her, but... Someone said, well, I think it was Debbie who said that it was literally a timing thing. It wasn't a collapse from our tribe internally. It basically all came back to they had trouble getting the rice bags through the hole, basically. That's the whole thing for them. And they just, they weren't fast enough. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes you're just not fast enough. 
Well, it's not just fast enough. That, that Getting the rights to the whole thing is really a, a, a physical thing, and they are the brain tribe. And there's no puzzle, basically, involved. Yeah. There is a skill component and a strength component. And, you know, we know that in past, bronze versus brain versus beauty, that the skill component is often kind of seen as, like, the beauty thing. Yeah. Um, and then the strength thing is seen as the brawn thing, and, like, a puzzle-type thing is seen as the brain thing. So there basically were brains component. There was no brain component in this challenge, but there was a brawn and a beauty component. So it's really not that strange that they lost, so. No, that makes sense. I mean, I wasn't too surprised. I was actually just hoping that brawn would not lose. Right. I didn't really care who won but or who who lost as long as it wasn't brawn because it, it just gets bad TV when the yeah. same team loses over and over again. Yeah, and I wanted to see somebody else go to Tribal Council, and I honestly didn't think it was going to be beauty because they've been so good so far. Yeah, let's talk about the post-challenge discussions in the brain tribe. Right, the first thing is that Liz goes to Debbie with the plan to get Neil out. First of all, I don't think this is, like, the proper time to do this move. Not that this is a terrible move. I just don't think this is the right time to be doing it. Your first vote out is going to be backstabbing your alliance. Just that seems so strange. I mean, going into this, we we were pretty sure that they had a solid four-on-two alliance. Although, if you listen back to something like the 13-minute mark or 16-minute mark or something like that of our last podcast on Survivor, you'll hear me bring up skepticism about the Brains alliance because I thought that they were that that between Liz and Peter and sometimes Neil that they were so they were such big jerks that I found it hard to believe that they were going to be able to work together. And it turns out I was very correct. I thought it would be like a down-the-road thing. I didn't think it was going to be like, right now. <laughs> I thought yeah, they'd at least work together to, like, get out Joe and Debbie, and then when they got to the merge, they would, like, there would be, like, some infighting and they'd fall apart or something like that. I didn't think it was going to be like, all right, it's day nine, it's the first time we have to vote somebody out, time to backstab our alliance on the first vote. You're like, what? <laughs> but it doesn't seem like they had a strong alliance, though. It did seem like it was two pairs of two. But we've seen those alliances before, where the two pairs of two cooperate for a long time. So, but yeah, you have, so the wrong two pairs cooperated, though, you know, or the ones you didn't think. But I think before this, it was it was very clearly two pairs of two versus one pair of two. And the, trying to turn on the other pair of two in your two pairs of two by collaborating with the pair of two that you the four of you have agreed you want to get out is not like the best move. And the other thing is that apparently Debbie is a great social player here. I mean, she really, first of all, let's just be honest. The big mistake probably here is Liz never going to Neil before she goes to Debbie. Cause if you're Liz, the crucial move here is you go to Neil and you say, look, Neil, we don't want, you know, Debbie and Joe to know that we're going after them. So the plan is that we're, when, we, when we go over to them, we're going to say that we're going to split the vote between, you know, between you and whatever, because uh, we think that you might have an idol or something. You need to tell that to Neil first, because as soon as you don't tell that to Neil and you go to Debbie and you say, hey, we got to vote out Neil, then, De- I mean, Debbie goes straight to Neil. Yeah. Debbie just tells Neil. She's like, hey, Neil, Liz said they're voting you out because they think you have an idol. And he's like, what the hell is that BS? <laughs> 
<laughs> and then Neil just goes to Aubrey, and then Aubrey goes to Debbie, and it's like, all right, so we're getting rid of Peter and Liz, right? They're both jerks. We're all good with that? Cool. <laughs> and then Peter pisses off Aubrey with that whole, like, you guys need to communicate more with us garbage. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very strange. The Peter-Liz pair, they were just so stupid. They were just so, so overly confident and just so much hubris. Yeah, and what does hurt you is what I've been saying since the first episode of the show is what hurts you in this scenario is being a couple of jerks because when you're a couple of jerks and then you you like be you get this sort of problem happening they're much more likely to turn on you yeah like when everybody is like oh you know liz is really annoying (laughs) like that that's where it gets to be like all right you're you're not gonna (laughs) no one's gonna stick with you if you're gonna be making weird moves and you're annoying Mm, that's true so let's get to the tribal council. I've got three things I wrote down, all of which Peter said. <laughs> all right, go ahead. The first thing is when he says, I'm an ER doctor, social interactions. It's my job. It's my job. I thought your job was being an ER doctor. I, first of all, I was going to say this. I have spent uh, a good amount of time in hospitals recently. Uh, doctors are are not known for being great at social interaction. Like there is, there are those doctors that have good bedside manner. Yes, but they're not ER doctors. No, but being like an ER doctor, you don't need bedside manner. You need to be an ER doctor. <laughs> I don't understand the concept when he's like. An ER doctor, like, social things is my job. Then they pan to, like, three different people on that on that tribal council, and they were all, like, smirking. They were like, what? What ER do you work in? Like, the one in Patch Adams Hospital? <laughs> like, what the hell? By the way. Weird comment. Just weird. You know what would be great? I got to get that screenshot I love of the doctor from the EMH from Voyager, when he makes this, like, look, oh, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I just have it, like, I'm an ER doctor, social interaction my job. Ugh. Yeah, just a weird, weird, weird comment. That was weird. The second thing he says, when Neil says, you know, it depends on which plan he's talking about, and then Peter goes, it's not your plan, I'm like, well, why did you say that? Yeah. What are you, like, trying to get them to turn on you? I know. What the hell? He has so much confidence that the votes are going his way. I've never seen that. It's like, do you realize you're you're trying to backstab people that are theoretically on your alliance? You can't then tell them in tribal council. (laughs) Like, what is wrong with you? It's like he didn't think this through at all. Which, by the way, leads me to the third quote I wrote down, which is when he says... He and Liz, quote, we thought about everything. No, you didn't. (laughs) What the hell are you talking about? You thought about nothing. It's like, did you not think at all about this whole plan where Liz goes to Debbie and the – Liz – Debbie hates Liz. Liz hates Debbie. Why is Liz going to Debbie with a plan? What the hell? I know that, like, they think that they're so much smarter than everybody else, but, like – Come on, she is on the brain tribe. Like, you can't just, like, outsmart her with no thought at all. I don't understand 
they, they really just were totally off base. I don't know what they were thinking. There are some really, I mean, Peter said some stuff in this tribal council that was just like, I don't even know what, it's the kind of stuff you say when you, it's like you get into the real, real quick realization that you have no idea what's happening around you. <laughs> and then like when the votes start coming up and you see Liz and Peter's faces, you're like, yeah, you couldn't possibly deserve this anymore. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They were they were quite quite foolish. Yeah. Uh, so the vote goes against them. They have a three way tie. Then they revoted. Liz got voted out. Yeah, I want to talk about the three way tie. Apparently, according to some people, that was engineered by Debbie to make Peter and Liz feel even worse. <laughs> really? If you think about it. If they're going to vote out Liz, right? So they have Neil and Aubrey eventually, right? Neil goes along with them and votes for Liz. Mm -hmm. So that would indicate that they had agreed that they were going to vote out Liz and not Peter beforehand. Well, if they were going to vote out Liz and not Peter, why wasn't it four to two? Uh, I assumed it was just an idol thing. Talking about splitting the votes because they thought Neil had an idol. So they obviously don't have one. Well, it's not the first time someone said that uh, we should split the vote because someone else may have an idol when they've had an idol themselves. They were just trying to throw a suspicion off themselves. I think apparently some people think that what happened was Debbie said that they should split the votes 2-2 so that when they re-vote, Liz and Peter both just have to sit there. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> By the way, it's really great. I mean, that is some brilliant work. That's so mean. Liz and Peter sitting there, holding hands, waiting to see which one of them gets voted out. It's really great. That really was intentional. That is just some great stuff. So mean. Do you have any thoughts on, on next week's trailer where we get the not only the first, but it looks like a very severe evacuation? Yeah, that looked kind of crazy. Um, I did see some blood there, but that could have been from the IV. There's There's a solid two or three frames in that trailer where you see like 10 to 15 people crowded, like non-survivor people, like crew members and medics, like crowded around someone. And then a doctor yelling like, get the whatever from my bag. And you're like, oh no. Yeah, <laughs> this could be bad. I hope it's not Joe because I'm afraid it's Joe because I didn't see him and he's 71 years old. I mean, I also, I understand that it's supposed to get very hot out there starting in the next episode. And Anna said something about that also, that because um, that normally that's how it works. The, the the rainy season comes after the hot stuff. So, so w when we saw the season before this, where it's all raining the whole time, that's because it had just been really, really hot during their taping. So it, it's supposed to be pretty hot for the rest of the season, I think. So that's crazy. That, that heat stroke could definitely get to people. So next week's episode looks like it's going to be uh, an interesting one, to say the least. Jeff said it is the most dramatic episode of Survivor ever. I think that's what he said. Well, we'll see. Of course, I think he says that once a season anyway, but whatever. <laughs> and don't worry, this is the best season of Gotham we've had yet. <laughs> best season of Gotham yet. I still haven't watched the mid-season premiere of Gotham. Have you watched it? I actually had to stop halfway through, and I texted Yoni. <laughs> And said, I don't think I can watch Gotham anymore. <laughs> well, now that they're bringing back Jada Pinkett Smith, maybe it'll get better. Oh, they're bringing her back? Yeah, apparently she signed on to come back. Why? The burn from Chris Rock was too much for her? Maybe it's one of those things like with the professional athletes where they say like, you know, I'm going to spend more time with my family. And then they go home and they spend time with their family. And they don't 
And then after a couple weeks, they're like, I don't like my family that much. <laughs> and, and she sees her son dressing up in a skirt for, for an ad campaign. She's like, I'm going to go back to work. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think it's like a professional athlete thing. She's like, oh, I'm going to go spend time with my kids. And then it's like, yeah, I don't know. That Jaden is weird. <laughs> Do I still need to be on a superhero show? How much does it pay? <laughs> All right. Nate, finish this off. All right. Now that the show's over, get to the internet and check out the rest of our content on our website at tvonthehillside.wordpress.com. If you want to get in touch with us, email us at onthehillsidepodcast at gmail.com. Catch us on Twitter at Hillside Podcast or check out facebook.com slash onthehillside. You can subscribe to this show on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. And remember to rate the podcast and leave a comment. The theme song you're hearing right now is One of the Breakbeat Chemists. I'm Nick Burnside. And I'm Mo Hill. You'd be KA, lovers. <laughs>